Hello and welcome to the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Tom Kaiser from Augur. Tom, thanks very much for coming on. Before we get into this episode, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at BettingPod, and check out the website, businessofbetting.com. Guest suggestions are much appreciated. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Betfair Proprietary Limited. Betfair operates a betting exchange and is licensed in the Northern Territory of Australia. Residents of Australia can join Betfair by visiting betfair.com.au and support this podcast by using promo code BOBPOD. Please gamble responsibly. So thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Tom Kaiser from Augur. Tom, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Tom, why don't you start a little bit about your background and, and how you got involved with Augur? I've been working with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin for a couple of years now, uh, about six. Um, I worked with two uh, early token and Bitcoin startups out in the San Francisco Bay Area. Augur happened to be a very early cryptocurrency Ethereum project. And being in the space around that time, they were a bigger name. Uh, you know, it was a bigger project. Uh, it was one of the kind of first use cases of Ethereum, I think people saw um, when the first paper and some of the ideas uh, were initially published. And long story short, I ended up uh, working with both uh, Joey and Jack on a project uh, for Augur Unrelated. And um, a year later, I had the opportunity to join them and work with the Forecast Foundation, which is the development entity of Augur. Um, that's the actual uh, corporate company that did the uh, crowd sale. Um, and we're the ones that have the engineers that maintain the core uh, Augur development code base and whatnot. Um, and I've been there for about three years now doing uh, operations. I'm the director of operations. Um, and yeah, uh, Augur launched about a year ago. Um, we've seen it live out in the wild for just about over a year now. Um, it's been a very fun and wild ride. And, uh, you know, we have some fun things and uh, coming down the, the line pretty soon. So most people know about decentralization or blockchain, potentially Bitcoin, probably Ethereum even. But tell us about Augur in a little bit more detail. And if you read the white paper, it says that it's a trustless, decentralized oracle and platform for prediction markets, which sounds incredibly interesting. And I'm sure the listeners are very interested in what on earth is Augur. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, well, Augur is a protocol uh, to make decentralized prediction markets. Um, what is a prediction market? You know, prediction market is a market where people can bet on the outcome of any event, uh, as long as it has a definitive outcome. So Augur is software that runs on the Ethereum blockchain, uh, which is, uh, you know, a decentralized protocol. It runs on a network of nodes that exist all around the world and anybody can run these nodes voluntarily. Um, so Augur is a, is a set of smart contracts that uh, were, was deployed to the Ethereum blockchain about a year ago. Now, um, Augur allows traders and market creators to 
create markets again on literally any market uh, or any outcome uh, you would like. So, you know, from politics to sports betting to financial markets, um, as long as it has a definitive outcome, you can go onto Augur and with a little bit of a, a with a little bit of uh, Ethereum, you can create a market in five or six clicks, and it is a global decentralized prediction market uh, that you know anybody can participate in. Uh, no middleman. Uh, all the money's you know dealt with programmatically in these smart contracts. Um, you know the money gets escrowed, uh, market gets resolved, all the payouts gets automatically distributed to all the different participants. Um, it's essentially taking the idea of a bookie or a bookmaker and you know removing them from the equation. Uh, you know truly peer-to-peer betting in a way where there isn't somebody intermediating that bet. Uh, either taking, you know, the fee, the vig, or whatnot, setting the line. Um, you know, this is, you know, one to one. You're pretty much only paying what the transaction cost is uh, to bet on Ethereum. So, why do you think it was created when it was created? I know I've heard actually Joey talk a little bit about some of the things in the beginning, but from your perspective, what were the benefits or the value to the consumers who were going to access and use the Olga protocol? Long run. I mean, Augur is able to offer markets that uh, other books and other other exchanges potentially don't offer. Um, there's there's no limits on the markets that can be created. Uh, there's no user accounts. There's no limits on deposits. There's just no max bet limits. All of these kind of uh, rules and restrictions and limitations uh, traditionally imposed on uh, a better or a gambler uh, are removed in this situation for the most part. Um, obviously, there's you know pros and cons and trade offs of centralization versus. De- decentralization. Um, however, in the long run, you know, this it can be a significantly cheaper alternative, and it's already kind of proving that. Um, Augur generally online right now on liquid and popular markets that other books are trading um, generally gives the best odds, um, along with a significantly deeper book at what the best bet is. Um, and that's somewhat inherently from the fact that Augur doesn't have a 10% withdrawal fee. Augur doesn't have, uh, you know, it's not a bookie, so it's not somebody, uh, you know, inherently setting, you know, the line against you on the other side. It's, uh, it's, it's an exchange model, but it's a peer-to-peer exchange model. I want to ask about decentralization. And obviously, people know Betfair, they know Smarkets, they know some of the typical peer-to-peer betting exchanges that are centralized. Tell us the benefits of decentralization and what makes it different, better, unique, or even some of the disadvantages that you come across when you're relying on this decentralization aspect. So, you know, decentralized versus centralized prediction market, decentralized, uh, you know, long run, it's going to be cheaper uh, inherently just because it's a peer to peer exchange model versus, uh, you know, versus a bookie model. Um, You don't have to trust your counterpart. You don't have to trust a bookie here. You're not depositing money to some strange offshore, uh, you know, betting exchange, hoping that they're going to let you withdraw. Um, This is, you know, escrowed, trustless uh, markets. So you, the, there is no chance that you are not going to get paid out if you win that bet. Um, so the, the the trust element of trading with you know a different bookie or a different counterparty um, is entirely removed uh, within that, um, as well as the fact that this is a decentralized censorship resistant prediction market protocol, meaning there are not you know 
rules and limitations and restrictions imposed on either the market creators and both the traders. So from a creator's perspective, um, now anybody can be a market creator. Uh, you can use Augur. You can create a market on any outcome that has a definitive uh, event. You can charge a market creator fee and uh, you can make that you, that market will now exist because of you. And anybody can participate in that market in the world, just kind of like Bitcoin. Take us back to a few days before launch, day one of launch, the first, say, 30 days. How was that process? What was going through you and the team's mind? And, and, and how did you feel when things were coming to life for you guys? You know, things... Things were in good shape leading up to launch, uh, thankfully. Um, while we were, you know, obviously there were some last minute things that always come up um, and some last minute problems that always arise. In the long run, uh, you know, we felt pretty good going into it. The couple days before, uh, we had to do a token migration uh, with migrating the new rep from uh, the old rep contract to the new rep contract that would exist uh, within this new Genesis universe that we launched. But um we spent a couple of days doing a lot of communication with exchanges, getting them on board, uh, you know, telling them what's going on, uh, giving them instructions on how to, uh, you know, uh, uh, complete the migration process with us and with all the other rep token users. And uh, I mean, it was somewhat terrifying. Um, I mean, it was it was it was actually highly terrifying. But uh, you know, we're in the long run, it ended up working. But you know. We're, it's we're deploying a set of uh, you know it was initially a set of 26 contracts um, that then expands to a set of uh, about a hundred roughly so it's a very large moving puzzle that we had deployed to the ethereum blockchain and you know we hadn't tested it on mainnet um, due to the kind of positioning of the forecast foundation and us as the development entity um, we don't do any interactions on the auger protocol so we had tested it on the test Net. However, we had never tested it on the mainnet before. So deployment day on uh, July 9th last year was the first time those contracts really had ever been deployed to the main network before. Um, there were some problems that came with that. Obviously, in the first 12 hours was kind of chaos, um, but you know it worked. And uh, it's, it's, it's proven to work over the past 12 months, at least at a high level. You know, the, the game theory behind it and the incentive structure and the incentive system um, hasn't been broken. It's, uh, you know, we, ha- we can't prove that it, you know, it works yet because uh, we haven't seen the full thing play out. However, it's, it's proven that it's working as of now, um, which has given us a lot of confidence, at least going into V2, um, you know, when we went back to the V1 contracts uh, and, you know, did upgrades for V2, um, the changes that were made, you know, the, the they were done with good decision making behind it. Uh, you know, we, we try not to make a whole lot of changes. The more changes that you make, uh, you know, the higher chance of now something uh, new or additional going wrong is. Uh, but at the same level, uh, we needed, you know, new features, uh, new improvements, uh, new updates and upgrades to the protocol. Uh, but, you know, it was uh, the whole launch week and day and event was you know, uh, uh, a somewhat slightly terrifying experience the whole time. But then once it was done and it was out there and it was working, uh, you know, it felt like, you know, the weight of the world was finally off all of our shoulders until we went to bed and woke up and realized, oh, my God, this is actually only the beginning. Um, and that's kind of where we're at today now. So I'm a user. I go on Augur. What markets can I create? Is it limited to yes, no, win, loss type stuff or is it broader than that? 
Yeah, so um, you're going to have three different types of markets that you're able to create. Um, a yes-no market, a categorical market uh, with up to eight outcomes, and then a scalar market where a market can land on a number uh, set between a certain range that you can define as well. Okay, so I can literally bet on the weather, for example. I can bet on a horse race or the number of home runs someone's going to hit, and I can bet on who's going to win the Super Bowl. You can bet on exactly it. You can bet on all four of those things. Yes, absolutely. Okay, interesting. And then in terms of trading time, uh, is there any set limits or any set parameters with that? Or I can literally create it you know, a day before a horse race, a day before a sporting event, or a month out from the day of the weather, for example, and things like that? Or is there is there time constraints within that? There's no time constraints within you creating a market. Um, there is a, a catch to that in this particular instance right now because we have V2 coming and that we do have a cutoff date in which markets shouldn't resolve afterwards. Um, at this point in time, however, that's not you know, a long-term or inherent feature of Augur. So no, there's, you know, there's no time limits. You can create a market whenever you want um, as long as it is before that outcome is defined. Um, the only time limit right now is settlements of the markets due to the distributed reporting. So uh, if, assuming no disputes, assuming nobody disputes what the initial reporter uh, stakes as the outcome of that market, uh, the resolution time is seven days. And in V2, that's going to be escalated to uh, three days for a minimum time. So you touched on a little bit then. Tell me a little bit about how the reporting works, because if it's fully decentralized and you're not involved in the in the protocol in a direct sense or a centralized sense, how do you know if you're how do you know the Yankees beat the Mets, for example? So each market has a designated uh, reporter that the market creator sets. So when someone's creating a market, they give a Ethereum address the privilege to provide an initial report to that market. Now, assuming that initial reporter uh, submits a report, that report will then go into a one-week dispute window. Every initial report is then given the chance to be disputed by the crowd. Essentially, if you are the centralized uh, initial uh, designated reporter, you are incentivized to report the right answer because if you report the wrong answer or what consensus or somebody out there believes is the wrong answer and they stake rep against you, you know, you're going to lose your initial reporting bond as well. Um, so you're financially incentivized to tell the truth. So the idea is, you know, markets, majority of markets actually resolve with a centralized designated reporter, which is a single person coming in and saying if the Yankees beat the Red Sox. Now, that outcome goes to the crowd. And if nobody disputes it within seven days, that outcome is deemed finalized. Essentially, we're giving anybody who holds rep a, uh, you get a 50% ROI if you successfully dispute a outcome. So you, there's a potential 50% ROI that exists, you know, out there to dispute and correct, uh, potentially invalid or incorrect outcomes on these markets. So it's not every market goes through distributed reporting. That would be a very long and lengthy and, and workful process on behalf of the rep holders. The idea is that you don't need every outcome or every market to actually go through this distributed reporting process. You just need it to exist in the event of when it needs to be used. So it's like the threat of distributed reporting keeps majority of these designated reporters honest. And if they're not, you know, people 
do come in very quickly, rep holders, and dispute these outcomes. And there's little sub-communities of uh, rep holders that have made websites and forms where they, you know, communicate and, uh, you know, give their case for why they believe one market should be one way or invalid or another. Um, but it's a whole community of people who own this token. And every week, they have a chance to come into Augur and see if, in fact, you know, the Oracle is staying honest and it's actually reflecting reality. And if it's not, there's uh, quite a large financial incentive for them to go in there and fix that. Incentives and some wisdom of the crowds working together. It sounds good. So I want to get into liquidity. And the first stop on the liquidity train is Ethereum is pretty volatile compared to other sort of, uh, you know, the US dollar, for example. And I've seen certainly at times the daily volatility can be three, four, five, six percent even. What type of challenge does that present to you and the team? It's been it's 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 been a constant challenge for I think all of Augur markets because right now Ether is the settlement currency of all Augur markets. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty frustrating situation to be in where, uh, you know, you can be you can be a better and hey, I won my bet, but I'm actually negative in value because my settlement currency has depreciated or gone down. Um, so Ethereum, yes very volatile um you know and auger launched in pretty much an you know an ethereum down run um only until recently you know since then since auger's lifespan ethereum's pretty much the price is just pretty you know on a slow kind of slump downwards so all escrowed bets and locked bets are essentially just you know plummeting in value as ether plummets in value as well um you know there's obviously the counter of, you know, if Ether goes up, then everyone's bets become much larger as well. But at the end of the day, you know, we don't believe that's a, a ideal experience for a better or a gambler. Um, it should be in a uh, some sort of a stable currency. Um, Augur will be using uh, DAI, uh, the MakerDAO stablecoin system. Uh, it's a decentralized stablecoin um, where people, you know, uh, escrow ETH into uh, something they call a CDP, a collateralized debt position, and uh, mint DAI out into the, in, into the world. But DAI is redeemable for $1 back to MakerDAO um, in Ether. And that's the settlement currency that Augur will be using in V2. So rolling forward, people won't be placing bets in units of Ether, and they also won't be uh, settling or making those bets uh, in the denomination of Ether. Everything's going to be in DAI, you know, shown as the equivalent of US dollars, very similar to how everything is shown in a regular sports book nowadays. So as you get towards V2 and the path to liquidity, what are some of the things that are going to be most valuable and critical to your team? Obviously, time is something and just building, but are there other things that you'll you know, look to and hopefully create into the future? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so coming with V2, we obviously have changes that uh, we hope will increase user adoption, such as uh, DAI as the settlement currency. Um, however, we will uh, Augur V2 will also have things uh, like a uh, protocol-level built-in affiliate system. So if you refer somebody to an Augur market and they end up making a trade, uh, your Ethereum address uh, will forever receive a percentage of their trading fees. Um, and there's companies like uh, Guesser and Blitzpredict that are being built on top of Augur, um, which are essentially for-profit, kind of you know similar to uh, uh, what a bookie is today. Um, however, they're using Augur uh, under 
underneath to run these markets and run these books. Um, these people are starting to build platforms and uh, come to life, and they are creating markets on Augur and market making on them, and uh, you know, giving very good odds, giving very good lines. Um, more of these are coming later down the line as well. But uh, V2, we hope you know, increased user adoption across the board with uh, you know different uh, um, with different types of kind of marketing schemes that people will just, you know, figure out to do with the affiliate system, um, as well as being able to bet in a stable currency, uh, markets are going to resolve faster. Uh, we have a new UI coming out. We're going to be able to, you're going to have a kind of a, a betting skin. Uh, so you're going to be able to toggle odds and auger and, you know, uh, have a skin a little bit more, uh, geared towards, uh, a, a bet fair style exchange. Um, so just kind of overall, we've taken quite a bit of feedback in the past year now through Reddit, Twitter, email, phone call, everywhere. You know, if, if you send us some feedback, I promise you we read it. Um, and we've just been focusing, you know, on trying to pick, you know, out of that, what are the most important things? What do users want? And how do we build that into the product? And how do we get that out there? And, you know, that overall kind of increased adoption. And eventually one day, um, you know, we're going to be able to have these kind of global liquidity pool for individual markets for for you know sports betting markets or financial markets it's going to be anybody has anybody has the access to go on and create one of these markets for you know pennies on the dollar you know very very small cost at least in comparison to you know what it costs to create the 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 a similar product to that in the real world today um and you know long run it's you know we're going to be able to have these these pools of markets where anybody can anybody can participate. The barrier to entry to do so is really low. Um, the the fiat you know gateways from the uh, uh, fiat to cryptocurrency hopefully you know be solved. Uh, there's companies like Wire coming out that are doing you know uh, purchase uh, a small amount of Dai with a credit card in a with a Chrome plugin really quickly. Um, so all these problems are kind of be working on and solved. And I do think within like you know, a year, a year and a half, like Ethereum dApps are going to get to a point where they're nearly as good as web apps, at least in terms of user experience um, for things that aren't, uh, you know, for things that are within its control, that are, that, that are within uh, the control of the application. So you're always going to wait for transaction times on Ethereum, but these applications that you're using on the web are going to get like significantly snappier, faster, better. They're going to be doing in-browser syncing and, uh, you know, pretty much every decentralized application is kind of doing a V2 deployment around this time, this year, next year. Everyone's kind of on that next iteration. So every protocol is kind of getting an upgrade as well. You know, MakerDAO is getting additional collateral. It's, uh, you know, um, I think it's a good time for decentralized applications and you're going to see a lot of, uh, maturity in some of these web apps and, uh, uh, projects and programs that people are working on. Take us through a little bit, if you don't mind, this whole, you know, for-profit companies building on top of Olga, for example. What would make a, a a young business, a startup business, want to do that as opposed to doing it themselves or having some other centralized component to it? What are the benefits of building on top of Olga? Absolutely. Um, well, so like if you take Gesser, for example, so uh, an interesting thing about Gesser is that it's non-custodial. So they don't have to accept deposits or hold custody of user funds. Um, users come to Gesser with MetaMask or whatever wallet they use, and you know they own, money only leaves their wallet 
when they are sending it directly to a auger contract to interact with the market. Um, so as a operator, you are not you, you're not responsible for users' funds. Uh, you're not holding funds on on users' behalf. Uh, you don't you 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 don't have that liability. Um, as well as you are able to create a market that anybody can access. Um, unlike I guess today, if you were to you know like an offshore you 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 make an offshore book uh, uh, an offshore sports book. Um, you're, you're somewhat limited in, in what you can do. I know some of these books don't, you know, probably properly block access uh, to the countries and locations that they should. Um, but yeah, you know, like long run, I mean, that's at, at that point, you know, that's just they're just kind of doing like regulatory arbitrage. And I don't think that's a good business model uh, long run. But it's like, you know, find the jurisdictions that you can operate in and operate within. Um, but Augur lets you do that. But every jurisdiction that that's like OK within can trade within each other now. So every, every, every jurisdiction, you know, where sports betting can be done with, uh, you know, some license that, you know, they can go set up and purchase or whatnot. And, you know, any place that's, you know, easier than the United States, um, they can all start sharing the same liquidity pool. Anybody who trades can all start sharing the same book and start sharing the same liquidity pool that inherently shares users that inherently shares market creators, market traders, like the whole entire ecosystem. And, um, you know, long run, we think that's a pretty powerful thing. So you can essentially gather up all the, in quotation marks, legal jurisdictions where the process is allowed, whether it's trading or betting or gambling or whatever you want to call it, and then ultimately that can be one overall liquidity pool. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one overall liquidity pool where it's like, hey, here's the technology for the sports book that, you know, uh, is something that you're all doing. And, you, you know, you, you, you don't have to take custody of users deposits. Um, you're not liable for resolving markets. Um, you know, you're not, you know, it's, it's in terms of like somebody who's guesser or blitz predict, um, there's a opportunity to, to come into this space, I guess I would say, and, uh, you know, not have to, uh, do a lot of the things that a traditional sports book would have to do, um, just inherently by nature, you know, like, cause this stuff is, it's, you know, you can think of Augur as kind of like, you know, a white labeled exchange. Um, you really only need to plug a UI up to it to, you know, work within it and, you know, make bets and whatnot. But, you know, Augur is kind of like a white labeled exchange. So it's, you know, people can come and you, you can build a entire prediction market exchange where, you only need to build the front end. You only need to build the part that interacts with the users. The exchange is built, the, the market creation is built, the resolution is built, and it's built in a decentralized and trustless and hardened way, you know, very similar to Bitcoin. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's the, it, it can be underlying infrastructure of all of these markets um, if everybody, you know, kind of chose to, you know, operate on all of the same rails in theory, quote unquote. But, uh, you know, from a perspective of, of a for-profit, uh, you know, you can come and build a sports book now and your operational overhead is just significantly less because you don't have to deal with like running an exchange. You don't have to deal with user deposits. You don't have to deal with any of this. It's all taken care of for you inherently within the protocol. And, uh, you know, it, it becomes a, a, a more, you know, lightweight and interesting operation to run, I would say. Yeah. And thinking ahead, if you have you know, the wisdom of a crowd's effect in these markets and you have efficient markets with high liquidity, you can basically build a search engine for the future where whatever Augur thinks, and it's obviously there's different 
probabilities that go within the different predictions, but in that like long frame view, you can potentially say, okay, is it going to rain? You know, on my wedding day next year, you can put up a market for it and find out what the actual better chances are than going to uh, some weather app or some weather website that probably doesn't really know the answer. Absolutely, uh, our our one of our early one of our early little pieces of uh, marketing copy we had was uh, you know imagine being able to Google uh, you know who is going to win the 2020 president election and the result is you know like you know Augur says so and so has a 64 percent chance of being the 2020 elected blah 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 um, you know like that's what could happen yeah and i mean we kind of see that today for the markets that are on auger you know auger does give uh you know fairly accurate odds uh at least that are following the other books i think what's really going to be interesting is when we start seeing the uh usage and takeoff of some markets on auger that are markets that you know aren't on some of these other websites and other books and seeing the impact of those and seeing the 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 forecasting ability of those um i think that's like what is yet to be seen and like the long-term really cool thing of auger is like the true long-term forecasting potential of it and right now it's you know it's it's a toddler it's a baby it's like it's walking it's like you know it's kind of uh you know going back and forth and swaying and you know but like it's a baby it's it's growing up it's walking um long run uh this is gonna be a very cool thing to see grow up and harden and see how different people end up figuring out how to use this technology what about on the individual side? It, it strikes me as in that world, you could have, if you're a very good forecaster, and I you know, reference some of Tetlock's work and what he's done in this space, even with the Good Judgment Project and some of the, some of the uh, methodology for finding super forecasters, you could have basically the best of the best on Augur get some form of an Augur rank where they have a, a number or letter grade or whatever it is associated with their predictions and you can find some of the best people in the world who are very 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 apt at predicting what's going to happen and and putting their money where their mouth is essentially in high liquid efficient markets absolutely um you you can see that you well you can see that at like a high level today so there's uh i mean you can see the like auger profit leaderboard um so everything on auger is public and transparent so um, there's a website exploreauger.com and it has a leaderboard where you can see uh you know profits and losses by all ethereum addresses that have interacted with the auger protocol and so you can see who's like the biggest winners and the biggest losers on Augur. Um, so, you know, and you can see all their trades as well. Um, all that data is public and available. So it's just a matter of taking this data and information and uh, one, you know, packaging it into something that's, uh, you know, viewable and uh, you can make sense of it. And two, you know, also uh, making sure that, you know, um, this is this is a large enough data set to be taking, uh, you know, uh, 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 reliable uh, data from, but um, yeah, I mean, you can see the all-time winnings of Augur people, um, and in theory, like you can go take the top trader right here and follow every single one of his trades if you would want to, and that's you know kind of the beauty of this as well is that you know everything is super transparent and it's uh, it's much better it's it's a much better uh, end deal for a trader. You know, you have significantly more privacy, security, um, 
you know, not privacy in terms of people, uh, you know, seeing what you do because everything is transparent, but privacy in terms of you're not giving, you know, a strange bookie your name and a picture of your passport and your credit card and all this stuff. Um, so it's, it's, it's a much better offering to the better, I think, um, that, that cares about some of these issues that, you know, you have uh, with the experience of, of betting with the traditional sports book today. So in terms of innovation, have you sort of dissected where you think the innovation is going to come from? Because just thinking out loud, it strikes me places that will allow this type of thing, like maybe Malta, Isle of Man, maybe the UK or Australia or some of these places with established sports betting regulation might be interested in innovating in this area. Or have you looked at what companies are building on top of Olga specifically and, and how they're going to operate? Yeah, um, you know, I don't know ex- exactly too much about uh, I mean, we're aware of Gesser and Blitz Predict building on top of Augur. Um, I'm not entirely sure what their structure is or how they've set that up. Or um, I believe Gesser is in Spain, um, and I believe Blitz Predict will be in Ireland as well. Um, but for what it's worth, um, you know, I'm you know at the at least on you know at the Forecast Foundation. Uh, you know, we 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 position ourselves as we just develop and maintain the core auger code base. So um, we don't host anything. We don't run anything. Um, like we don't run a hosted instance of auger. Um, we don't have any control over the contracts that are deployed. Um, you know, you either have to download the auger software itself or uh, people use uh, IPFS to access it within the browser as well. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we have no control over this. Um, we have nothing that we can do for this. Um, and that has, uh, thus, you know, we haven't, we, 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 we haven't had a need to essentially, you know, research or dig too far into different types of licensing and jurisdictions who are, you know, happy and friendly and whatnot. You know, that's, uh, we see that more as that's the job of these, these for profits. Uh, we see ourselves as, you know, our job is to make sure that this core protocol works and is secure. And, other people can come in and figure out everything else and build on top of it. But, you know, we want really one job and one job only, which is just to make sure that the, the core base remains and remains secure. So what about the U.S. sports betting marketplace and the new world that's emerging there? Have you had any strange meetings or emails or requests that's arisen from that? Uh, no, I just think, you know, generally the the narrative is like picking up. Um, people are talking about sports betting more. Um, it's becoming just, I think, uh, you know, a bit more of a popularized thing. Um, you know, people are hearing that their state is discussing, you know, legalizing sports betting or that, you know, they just heard the state next door open the first, uh, you know, sports book or whatnot. Um, so I think, you know, the whole, you know, United States and sports betting thing is, Generally, it's it's kind of given like a, a spark and you know a lot of attention, um, obviously to this kind of industry and space as a whole. And um, I imagine it's only going to get more crazy and chaotic and larger as you know this, as the next couple of years uh, you know come down and states actually start uh, you know uh, accepting some of this stuff and and more and more and more come on board. Um, but, you know, in the long run, I think it's probably good for Augur just because it's it's exposing, at least right now, more people to the idea and the concept of sports betting and that, you know, this 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 is a thing that exists and that, you know, it's it's going to become more of a thing in our lives. Um, but no, um, no, no strange emails or anything like that, um, I would say, other than, uh, you know, people 
people looking to, uh, you know, we, we, we get lots of emails from, uh, we get lots of emails from like the team at auger.net gets a lot of emails from people who like think we're like a bookie and they're they, like email <laughs> me and they're like, like, Hey, like, you know, I want to like bet $10,000 on so-and-so. And I'm just like, like, this is like, this is like a generalized support, like email for like help technical email for Augur. Like we're not, we don't do this. Like this isn't us. Um, but no, I, I think we've, you know, we've definitely seen a uptick in, you know, like, um, interest from the like general crowd more so in the past year and a half, uh, where prior it was much more, you know, either a, you know, if you knew about Augur and liked Augur, like prior to a year and a half, two years ago, you were probably like really heavy into crypto or really heavy into gambling, one or the other. And like in the past two years, our audience has been growing slightly to the level of where there's like some more of like the casual audience in there, which I think is interesting. So you touched on it briefly before. I wanted to just dig in a little bit further on the affiliate side. Obviously, it's a key part of the gaming industry and the centralized gaming industry. What are your plans or what do you think they'll look like 12, 24, 36 months from now? Do you think it'll be a key area of acquisition for Augur moving forward? Or are you going to rely on some of those other means and methods that you've already spoken about? Yeah, um, I mean, I do imagine it, it, it will be uh, a large driver of user acquisition in V2, at least inherently from you know what we can see on how current books work, on how current exchanges work, uh, even outside of sports betting and, and betting, you know, generally, um, you know, social referrals, the friend network, you know, a friend vouching for something means a lot. Um, you know, it's like, you, you know, all it takes is one of your friends to say, Hey, you know, I use this one thing. Hey, it was cool. It worked. It was great. You know, try it out. It's like, you know, I, I, I trust that if that's the person, if I trust the person that's telling me that. Um, so like these, these networks and these connections are super powerful. And, um, I think, you know, we've seen the rise of that more over the past, like, couple of years as well. Um, in cryptocurrency, particularly, um, some of these exchanges have huge affiliate programs. Like BitMEX has a, has a crazy affiliate program, a referral program. Um, and I mean, so does, you know, every sports book, as I'm sure you know. Um, you know, they have these, these crazy affiliate and deals and whatnot trying to get people here and there. Um, but in terms of Augur, it's a better deal because one, it's a direct, protocol level uh, of affiliate link. So if you refer someone, uh, you will forever receive a percentage of those uh, trading fees uh, directly to your address uh, automatically from that person forever. Um, so it's, it's I think, you know, hopefully a better proposition um, than some of these sports books, uh, particularly if, uh, you know, you're using the Augur software. Um, you know, the Augur software is decentralized and censorship resistant. Anybody can use it. So, um, you know, I, I hope that, you know, providing this incentive, uh, you know, a lot uh, uh, wakes up some of these uh, affiliate marketers and uh, people with networks and some of these uh, connections and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I, we, we think and hope that it will be uh, a large driver of user acquisition uh, in the following months. So just finally, one last question. Can you just give us a recap of year one? You mentioned before it's, it's baby steps, but some of the things you might have learned, some of the things you can share and what you're going to look to carry forward with you into, into V2 next year. Yeah, you know, I mean, we learned a, a laundry list of like, I mean, there's there's a laundry list of like small things, but they were like assumptions or like things that we thought would happen 
in terms of user behavior that like didn't happen at all. It's like one of those things where it's like, you know, you like you, you do something and it's like, oh, like I, I, I would, I, the, the user has to turn right here. And uh, sure enough, you put it out there and, you know, the first 10 users turn left and do like the exact opposite of what you thought. So, uh, you know, we have like a laundry list of those like kind of little weird quirks uh, that, you know, we have discovered uh, that we are bringing into V2, I think, uh, on a protocol level and UI level that will make the overall experience just a lot smoother and cleaner and quicker um, overall. Um, and, you know, in the long run, I think we learned one that the incentive system and the reporting system for resolving these markets is, uh, you know, relatively robust and secure. Um, it's been running for a year, you know, a year and a month, and we haven't had a market that, you know, we would say resolved quote unquote incorrectly. You know, it's, they've all been, uh, they've all come to pretty much the, you know, general consensus or what they say is, you know, what was the intent of the trader that was trading on this market? Um, so, you know, the, and that's kind of the most, scary part of Augur, at least the complex part of Augur, because that's the real, like, uh, you know, incentive system, uh, you know, making sure that, you know, reporters have the proper incentive to come in and actually correct these markets and work together and ensure that the Augur Oracle actually reflects reality and is telling the truth and saying the correct things. Um, and, you know, that works. And I think that's a big relief that we've seen this work at least for a year uh in the wild so um you know we've we've been able to put a lot of focus and energy on making the uh experience better for the end user um i think you know seeing this out in the wild for a year for us has given us kind of like the the relative confidence to be uh you know like the incentive system like isn't really changing because like that works. Um, now the parts that we can change is like, you know, trading, uh, we can change the UI, we can change the way like trading works a little bit. We can trade like the, you know, change the settlement currency. It's like, you know, we can start making these, uh, you know, other changes in other departments that isn't this, you know, the, the, the reporting incentive system. And, um, we can iterate on that faster. We can, uh, you know, we can, we can do more things. It's less, uh, you know, it, it, it puts us in a less, uh, vulnerable position. So I think going into V2, um, you know, I think that puts us in a good place because, uh, you know, we're, you know, half like, you know, Augur's kind of two pieces. It's a trading exchange and it's a Oracle, you know, decentralized market, decentralized Oracle and like decentralized Oracle that works. And that's there. Now it's like, how do we take this trading part and make this the best possible experience and make this the best answer on the internet for if you want to bet on something, you know, we want Augur to be at the end of the day. If you want to bet on something, Augur is the best place to do that on the internet. No, it's, it all sounds very, very interesting. And it's a very cool, uh, it's a very cool thought process to, to have the, the search engine for the future. So hopefully it all plays out as we hope. I'll be cheering for you. I'm sure many others will be cheering all along the way. And I just want to thank you, Tom, for your time coming on and, and sharing your thoughts in this certainly an emerging space. So thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. 